Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Who's enjoyed this series on hope? Isn't it awesome? You know, and when we think about hope, some of you are sitting there going, ah, this doesn't apply to me. I'm positive. I'm hopeful. I've got a good outlook. But it does apply to you. And it applies to all of us. And the message I want to bring this morning and the person I'm going to focus on is applicable to all of us. No matter whether you're young, whether you're older, or whether you're somewhere in between, which is largely the rest of you, um, it applies to you. Because life is not fair. And we're all going to face ups and downs. And we have to choose hope. We have no choice but to choose hope. And if you're someone that believes that Jesus was sent to die on the cross, then it's biblical that you have to choose hope. But who knows, sometimes it doesn't feel like we want to choose hope. So if you're writing anything down or if you're not, just mentally recall it in, recall it in your brain. But I want, us, I want you to write down, I choose hope. Because it's a conscious position that sometimes when we're in the storm, we have to choose hope. Now, I'm, I may be oversimplifying what is a very complex scenario, but sometimes we have to consciously choose hope. And, you know, this series, you know, in the first week, it's just been fantastic, the, the way that people who have brought the word of focus on different characters. Obviously, in week one, Mason focused on Peter. And, you know, when we think about Peter and how he betrayed Jesus, it's easy in our humanness to go, what a scumbag, right? He was the guy that betrayed Jesus. But guess what? Jesus knew he was going to be betrayed. And right from his birth, Jesus knew he was going to the cross. And in Scripture, it says he was hopeful for it. I mean, what? He was hopeful for it. But what I loved about what May said was he identified more with Peter's failings than he did his successes. I mean, we've got to get a hold of that, right? So when we look at characters in the Bible, it's very easy to look at the, the successes, the, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles. But often, for some of us, myself included, it is easier to identify with their failings and go, yeah, I don't think I can do that, but I absolutely can do that. Amen? And then we talk about, um, in the second week, Britt spoke about Deborah um, and encouraged us to be hopeful. Ruth spoke about Ruth. She said she didn't like talking about Ruth. Who knows? She loved talking about Ruth. (laughs) And I know this is being recorded, and she's probably watching online, and she'll send me a message during the week, and I will really get into trouble. But the point is, she spoke about God being present, never walking away. Mason spoke about the Shunammite woman um, and the ups and downs of life, and life is difficult and hard. I mean, raise your hand if you've had a hassle-free life. (laughs) One person, and who knows he's telling fibs. But life is hard. And the Shunammite woman really displayed that. And then Wayne last week spoke about suppressed hope and changing our mindsets and how we actually create a prison for ourselves. I'm bringing the last um, character in this series. And in in some ways, um, when Wayne told me who it was, I thought, oh, that's easy. I can talk about that person. And then the weight of it sat upon me and I started to have a panic attack. And I'll tell you who it is. Um, very soon. But I'm going to read through some words, and I want you to just sit there and reflect whether you identify with any of this. 
pessimism, despondency, despair, melancholy, unhappiness, sadness, hopelessness, grief, low spirits, negative thinking, dim view, gloomy outlook, expectation of the worst, chip on your shoulder, discouragement, lack of confidence, negative attitude, bleakness, negativeness, world weariness, lack of enthusiasm, stoicism, predestinarianism, wow, passivity, fate, passive acceptance, destinism, predestination, fadedness, acceptance of the inevitable. As I read through them, I went, felt that way, 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 felt that way. Why am I highlighting those two? Because they are all signs of the danger of hopelessness. But I'm here to encourage you today that we have hope. And not only do we have a hope in the natural, we have a hope in the supernatural, which, which overcomes all of those things. Let me, I want to tell you a little story this morning, and it's not because I want to say, look at me, but if you're a parent of a child with special needs, you will know exactly what I'm talking about, because you have no choice but to have hope. 25, 26 years ago, I met my beautiful wife, and we decided to get married. She accepted my proposal. I wonder if she's rethinking that now, but she did. (laughs) Actually, in all fairness, it wasn't really a proposal, but that's another sermon for another day. And we got married, and we decided we were going to have children. I always wanted five. And so she got pregnant very quickly. I flew to Auckland for a conference when she was 10 weeks pregnant. She went to have a scan and we found out we lost the baby. Miscarriage. Something that's not talked about in our society often, but happens a lot. Devastated. And you know why you're devastated? Because when you find out something like that happens in your life, you have different hopes and different dreams. Everything in your mind shifts to a better future or a different future. And then it comes crashing down like crazy. I flew home, we journeyed that together. Um, Then, of course, you start to go through, will we be able to have children? Um, No issues getting pregnant. I could walk past her in the hallway, say the right thing, and she was pregnant. (laughs) That wasn't intended to be funny, but thank you for your kindness. (laughs) She got pregnant again. We were obviously worried, the midwife was doing all the things, everything was good, 13 weeks we go for, the, or 12 weeks we go for the scan where they tell you it's all normal, and the baby had died at nine weeks. Disappointment, hopes and dreams come crashing down. And I'm at this point now where I'm inherently a very impatient person, and for those of you that know me will go, really? Um, I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know, and some of you have done this journey, and some I know in our congregation have much longer stories of, that are similar. But I said to Wendy, if we get pregnant again, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I just emotionally cannot cope with the disappointment. We then moved to Auckland. Little did I know, she challenged God. We weren't Christians, by the way. She challenged God, and she said to God one night in prayer, God, if you are real, I want you to give me twins. I walk past her in the hallway. (laughs) She's pregnant. (laughs) Oh, dear. I'm making light of what was a very stressful situation, but that's my coping mechanism, humor. 
She got pregnant. Everything was fine. She was sick. And I'm talking morning sickness, lunchtime sickness, afternoon sickness, evening sickness, nighttime sickness. She was sick. And we took this as a positive sign. We go for the 12-week scan, and we were nervous. And I'm sitting there, and the lady with the ultrasound thing puts it on the tummy, and she's going, oh, and she's changing the view. Oh, she's changing the view. Oh, she, and what do you think my mind's doing? We've lost another one. Wendy's sitting there. She says, oh, Mrs. Percy, there's two. For the first, well, one of the few times in my life, I was speechless. Absolutely speechless. Anyway, we journeyed that. We ended up having two babies. They were born 10 weeks early. They were 1,100 grams each. Two weeks after, we took them home. They'd been in the NICU for nine weeks. One of the, um, well, they had to go for newborn screening. And as much as I wasn't prepared to be told that we'd lost two babies, I was not prepared to be told that one of my kids had a disability. Now, I wasn't even there. Wendy took the girls for this newborn screening, and they did a hearing test. And they said to Wendy, and she could see it, she knew, because whenever you'd go on at night, one of the babies would startle and one wouldn't, if you made a noise. And the person said to Wendy, one of your daughters is deaf. Just sit there for a minute. This high emotional roller coaster of hopes and dreams crashed, and then we find out we've got twins. There's an injection of faith, because remember, she prayed for this as someone who's not a Christian. And then you go, here's your babies, born early, stressful as all get out, and one of them has got a disability. Where do you think your mind goes to next? All those hopes and dreams get pushed aside. Will she speak? Will she get a job? Will she go to school? Will she get married? Will she have a normal life? But you have no choice but to choose hope. She went on to live a very fulfilled life. She's still with us before you think I'm talking in past tense. <laughs> but, but two years ago, I know, yeah, about a year ago, she got very, very sick, all sorts of crazy stuff, went through a whole lot of um, uh, tests and all the rest of it. And it turned out they said to her that there was something um, wrong hormonally or whatever it is, and they said, to a 22-year-old woman who had nothing else or wanted nothing else but to be a parent, they told her she probably would have difficulty to have her own children. Hopes and... I mean, look at this. Like Mace talked about with Hashunamite, what life's ups and downs, right? And all of you will be sitting there thinking about your story and your journey and the high highs and the low lows. This girl who had journeyed through life with a with a hearing impairment and overcome on so many occasions, only wanted to be a mother, had a heart to be a mother, and then got told, that may not be your story. We journeyed that. We decided we'd help her with, like, an egg collection. You know, we said, well, we'll get whatever eggs she's got and, and all the rest of it. Um, and in the process of doing that, she, again, got unwell. And I remember the day vividly, because I was at work in and out of meetings, and my phone was ringing, and phone was ringing, phone was ringing, going off the hook, and it was my lovely wife ringing, ringing, ringing. I thought, oh, the internet must be down again. <laughs> and then I was in this meeting, and I thought, what the heavens does she want? You know. And then I saw the message, and the message simply said, Taylor is pregnant. You think she could have rung me? 
And then, of course, you know when you're sending a message back to someone and you're not quite coherent, right? Because when you're coherent, you think and you write a whole message. I sent her like 12 messages with four words in each one. Wow. Second message. This is big news. Third message. Is she okay? Fourth message. Are we okay? Fifth message. We'll be okay. Sixth message. I'm excited. Seven messages. I'm too young to be a grandfather. (laughs) Eight. I'll call you soon. Now, the reason I tell you this story is to give you an example of the ups and downs of life and the hopes and dreams and disappointments. The point is, when we walk with Jesus, he does not promise us a hassle-free life, but what he does promise you is that you will not do it alone. Amen? And the the irony of Taylor's pregnancy, and and she had the baby a week and a half ago. Um, We've got a lovely little granddaughter. They called her Luna Rose. And my, I have melted. She is just gorgeous. Um, Josiah said to me the other day, and I have to stitch him up because he made a bet with me this morning that said, if you stitch me up, you've got to buy me KFC lunch. And I said, well, I'm always buying it anyway, so I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> but he said, he said um, you do know it's my birthday in two weeks, Dad. And I'm like, mate, you want to lower your expectations. You kids are no longer important. It's all now about the granddaughter, right? <laughs> But, but the point is, when I look at my daughter and I now look at my granddaughter, there is a story of hope. Now, you will all have people in your circle, in your life, where there's stories of overcoming. Why do I bring it up? Because when you feel those feelings, and they are only that feelings, remember, I want you to think about the stories of hope in your life and let that be your encouragement and when, before Taylor got pregnant and we found out, Wendy very faithfully was praying, as was I, but in our house, my wife is our prayer warrior. And she said, Lord, if this is of your will, let it be done. And when Taylor got pregnant, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that this was of God. Yeah. And there were signs along the way that I knew this was of God. And the pregnancy itself was fine, but it didn't all... You know, there were some things that were said in the natural from the doctors. Oh, this is happening and that is happening and that is happening. But we declared in the mighty name of Jesus that this child was of God and whatever is said in the natural will not stick. Amen? And sometimes we have to do that. But you know what? We choose hope. We have no choice, folks, to choose hope. Now, I'm not, I'm not minimizing when people really get lost in some of these emotions and it ends up in depression and things and there's professional assistance that needed, that's perfectly fine. But a sense of hopelessness genuinely is a season. It's like the rain. It will end. Now, if you need help to get out of it, that's perfectly okay. If you're feeling hopeless, there's three things that I want to focus on. Thinking, feelings, and behavior. And I will get to who the character in the Bible is that I'm talking about. When we feel hopeless, we think, I can't cope, I don't see a way out, I'm so upset. We feel frightened, worried, hopeless. The behavior that manifests from those thinkings and feelings is we stay in bed, we argue with our loved ones, we isolate or we withdraw. Now, some of you are sitting there going, that's my story. If we're hopeful, our thinking, our feelings and behavior look different. We think, firstly, I need help with this. We can get through this. This is a setback that we can adjust We feel anxious, which is entirely normal. At all times, some of us have felt anxious, right? But we're determined and we're hopeful. We reach out for help. 
we support loved ones, and we keep in contact with others. I want to separate hope into two different spheres this morning, hope in the natural and hope in the supernatural. And my heart's desire this morning is, as I talk about the character that I'm going to focus on in the second half of this message, is that you grasp the hope that happens in the supernatural. Because hope in the natural can be easily swayed, right? We say, oh, I'm hopeful I get this job. I'm hopeful one day my son will put his hand in his pocket and pay for the KFC. (laughs) I mean, it's good to be hopeful like that. But hope in the supernatural is knowing beyond all knowing that Jesus died on a cross and paid paid the price for the sins. And you are free. I say that again. Hope in the supernatural is a different kind of hope because it's, it's not just a hope and a, and a pipe wish. It is a deep sense of knowing that God sent his one and only son to die on a cross and that no matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, the price has been paid. Is that not a reason to be hopeful this morning? Yeah. Amen. 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 Biblical hope is knowing for a fact that the desired outcome will happen. Natural hope is expecting something to happen, but not being entirely sure it will. It is more like a wish. This definition actually has elements of doubt and uncertainty. When we have hope in the supernatural, it is a confident expectation. Furthermore, biblical hope takes its foundation from faith. Faith, the definition of faith, a firm belief in something for which there is no proof, complete trust and allegiance to a duty or a person. That's the definition of faith in the Webster's Dictionary. In the Oxford Dictionary, the definition of hope, and listen, do they sound the same? A feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Faith and hope go to love. Biblically, faith, hope, and love go together. If we could look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13, It says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. So if we think about in the natural, these thinkings, these feelings, the behavior, all the things we see and all the things we feel, all entirely natural, they are more intellectually driven, right? We generally drive that stuff up here. When we think about a spiritual hope, what happens in here, right? And the key for us is when we're feeling hopeless and life may not be going our way, which will happen, by the way, we've all experienced those things, the key for us is to pray that in the mighty name of Jesus, it doesn't fall from here into here. You getting what I'm cooking? You're awfully quiet this morning, the sun is shining, you're going to have a good lunch, great afternoon. When we let it fall from here into here, that's when it can take hold. And we don't want to be doing that. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. When we look at verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen and holy fear, built an ark to save his family. God said to him, you all need to do this, right? He didn't exactly know what was going to happen. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he's looking ahead to his reward. 29. 
By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. What are you doing by faith? You know the challenge we have, folks? Too often we intellectualize our faith. And you hear sayings like, don't do it in your own strength, do it in God's strength. Because as humans, we naturally process it all up here, right? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if we're going to walk in faith, we have to have faith and hope and love that whatever we're hoping and desiring, and it says it in Scripture, is going to happen. Why do we not do that? And to be a little bit in our face, why do we accept that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour, died on a cross, paid for our sins, and then undermine it by letting all this other stuff take control? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? You all want to know who my character is I'm talking about? Jesus. When Wayne said, I want you to talk about Jesus, I thought, yes, this is going to be easy. It's like standing in, here I am back at KFC. It's like standing at KFC telling everyone about the benefits of fried chicken. But then the weight of it, oh, that was a delayed response for a minute there. I didn't think it had worked. But when we think about Jesus, not only does a story give us reason to be hopeful, Jesus is hope. When we think about his life, and he was born in a manger, and he went through life very humbly, did signs, wonders, and miracles, was persecuted, probably experienced all of those emotions we talked about, knew he was going to die on a cross, predicted his death three times, he is hope. Why we want to talk about Jesus Because when we as believers speak of hope, we don't mean a desire that may or may not be filled. No, our hope is certain. Our hope for forgiveness, for reconciliation with God and a perfect, holy, eternal life rests on the finished work of Jesus. Let me read that again. Our hope is certain. My heart's desire this morning is as we get through the rest of this message here, that no matter where you are, whether you are on a high, whether you're walking on the mountaintop today or whether you're walking through the valley, that you get a revelation today that Jesus died for you, that through that sacrifice, God loves you and that you are valued and that you are accepted. And it does not matter what you've done. What matters is that you get a fresh revelation of Jesus' position in your life today. And I'm not talking about intellectually, I'm talking about something that falls into your spirit. Because all of us are held back by our stinking thinking, right? We're all sinners saved by grace, amen? And there is no, there's not necessarily degrees of sin, all sin is abhorrent in the eyes of God, but it's saved by grace because the price was paid. Why do we not get hold of that? Why do we self-condemn ourselves and hold ourselves from what God has planned for us because we think, oh, you know, look, I swore the other day that old lady who wanted to take that car park I cut in front of her. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm being, I'm being silly for purpose of illustration. None of that stuff matters. 
But when oppression comes against you, I want you to say whatever you need to say about your situation, but I want you to close it with, in the name of Jesus. Why do we do that? Because when we declare something in the name of Jesus, and, and from the pulpit you'll hear us say, you know, there's healing in the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. All that is true. And why do we say that? We say that because when you declare in the name of Jesus over that situation and submit it in prayer, it takes the whole life of Jesus, all of that stuff in Scripture that impresses us, And you overlay it over your situation. Now, if that can't help it, what will? Amen? That's why we say in the name of Jesus. So if you're feeling hopeless or you're feeling helpless, then you need to speak words of life into that situation. Submit it in prayer. Close it off by saying, in the name of Jesus. And then what do we do? We say, amen. Why do we say, amen? Because it closes it off. It says, it is done. In the name of Jesus. So... You have done some bad things. I'm here today to tell you that it is forgiven. And I don't say it in a flippant, insincere kind of way, but if we intellectually understand that Jesus walked on this earth and humankind, the Son of God, performed all these signs and wonders and miracles, died on a cross for our sins, was put in a tomb, wasn't there when they went looking for him, ascended to heaven, left us with the Holy Spirit. If we intellectually believe that, then in our hearts we have to believe that he forgives sinners. So why do we in our human thinking sometimes get in the way of that? Whoa, that's a bit, whoa, what are you saying? We do that. Excuse me, now I'm spitting. You can see it come out right the lights. But the revelation today is the sacrifice of Jesus is for all. If you're sitting in this house, if you're watching this online, if you're listening to this message later, the love of Christ is for you. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, even if you're a believer right now and you're feeling a bit wobbly, you're thinking about some stuff, you've done some things that you're not so proud of, don't let the enemy make camp here and keep saying to you, whoa, 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 the standards are a little bit high of your God. So you said a swear word. Whoa, 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 that's no good. No, 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 you can't be good enough to be walking with God. I mean, come on. In the name of Jesus, I release people from those feelings and those thoughts today because the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross was made for every single person. And guess what? You don't get to choose who it's for. So we therefore carry a weight and a responsibility to be like Jesus. Amen? Mark 10, 32 verse 34. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him, spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Jesus knew this was going to happen. And if you go backwards in Scripture, I don't think he was gleeful about it, but he was hopeful for this outcome. Because he knew why he was sent there in the first place. What are you hopeful for? It doesn't always have to be the the fancy stuff. 
But God always weaves the promise and the appearance of a saviour into scripture. Jesus came to bring us hope, fulfilling all the messianic prophecies. Excuse me. Romans 15 verse 12. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, in him, the Gentiles will what? They will hope. Jesus didn't come just to give hope. He is hope. Ephesians 2, 11, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Matthew twelve eighteen to 21, here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love and whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not stuff out till he has brought justice through to the victory. I want us all to read the last verse together. Here we go. One, two, three. In his name, the nations will put their... Easy words to say, right? But we need to have this drop into our spirit this morning. We don't worship just some guy that wore some cool robes and some Jesus sandals and had a groovy haircut and the best Movember out. Jesus is hope. And the revelation we need to get this morning is we can't intellectualize Jesus. If we think about those feelings of hopelessness, it all happens intellectually. Our faith, our hope... Love happens in here, right? It happens here. There's a big difference. So you don't want to let those other feelings here fall into here. And by the way, you do need to let these feelings here bubble up inside you, faith, hope, and love, and take control of your feelings. Why? John 10.10. When Jesus is talking to the Pharisees about being the good shepherd, he says in verse 10, and, and I actually... I declare this verse often over situations. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some days you'll feel like you're living a full life. Some days you'll feel like you won't. When you're having one of those days where you don't feel like you're living a full life or you don't really feel like you're moving forward in what God's plan and purpose is for your life, let me ask you a question. What do you do with that? What do you do with it? And I don't need you to answer me, but I want you to answer it to yourself. And my heart's desire is two things this morning. When you're in that situation, I want you to say, I choose hope. And when you say that, when you say, I choose hope, I want you to say, I choose and I declare in the name of Because you then take the whole sovereign life of Jesus over that situation. And there is power in that. There is power in that. When we found out Taylor was deaf, I remember the night vividly. Wendy came home. I, I, I obviously met her in the house. That evening, we put the girls to bed. Wendy was in the bath. She was sobbing uncontrollably. I said, oh, my. I'm a bloke, right? So I just want to fix stuff. I thought, what the heavens am I going to do? No matter what I said to this woman, it was not going to heal her broken heart. And I said, what am I going to do? Non-Christians, remember? 
I went and grabbed that child out of that bed. I remember sitting on the toilet next to the bath and I said to Wendy, this may not be what we have expected, but God gave us this child for a reason. And she will bless our family beyond what we could have imagined. Did she stop crying? Of course she didn't. That wasn't the goal. But we needed something to move in the spiritual sense that we were not going to let this circumstance break us. What the enemy would have chosen to lock us down and have us in the fetal position in the corner, even as non-Christians, we chose hope. And for some of you sitting in the house who are parents of child with special needs, you know your stories are similar. You have no choice but to choose hope. And whatever your situation is, I choose hope. And I choose Jesus. Amen? If we think about trying to pull all this together and the characters that we've talked about in the Bible... You know, when Mace talked about Peter, the example of that there is Christ's love and Jesus' acceptance is for everyone. Think about it. Jesus says to Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. Once he did that, Jesus had every right to be irritated, right? This is one of his most trusted disciples. Jesus could have said, you are dead to me. Talk to the hand. But you know what he did? He chose to love him anyway. The same way he chooses to love you anyway. Now, you may not have denied Jesus three times before the rooster crows, but we've all done things in our lives that we're not particularly proud of, myself included. But God chooses to love me anyway. And you know what? He says all of that stuff, all of those cracks in the vase is what makes you who you are. So if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, yeah, I've done this. I don't know if I measure up for this God's love and all the rest of it. I'm saying to you, in the name of Jesus, that thinking in your head needs to be gone. Because there is a sacrifice that has been made and a price that has been paid on the cross for you. And we need to get hold of that this morning. If you're a believer who inherently knows that Jesus died on a cross and you know the story and many times you've raised your hands in prayer and worship, but you're going through something difficult today, we need a fresh revelation that, yeah, you're going through some tough stuff, but his promises are yes and amen. And he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Amen. When Ruth spoke about Ruth, she highlighted God is present and never walks away. We can also draw on the parallels from the Shumanite woman that Mason talked about, where her life accurately depicted ups and downs. Life is difficult and unfair. Jesus was loyal and reliable. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So why in our humanness do we sometimes think he has? You're sitting there, no, I've never thought he left me nor forsake me. I'm not trying to confront you here in a bad way this morning, but I'm saying our humanness, our minds naturally sometimes do that. You know, through that story I shared with our daughter, do you think we'd questioned where God was in that situation? You bet your bottom dollar we did. How come this is happening to us? We're good Christian people when we became Christian people. 
what have we done here? Because I naturally, we naturally associate goodness and good works and generosity and all that stuff with having a strong faith. In fact, God says, the more broken you are, come. Come. We want this to be a church where the most broken people in Melbourne come. Now, that's not you, of course. Maybe it is. But this needs to be a house where people can come and be renewed in the name of This needs to be a house where no matter what people have done in the natural, they can come here in the supernatural and be healed in the name of Jesus. This can be a house where people get a fresh revelation in the heavenlies that maybe they don't wear the fanciest clothes or maybe they don't have the fanciest job, but you are welcome here. And why? Because we as a body of believers portray the face of Jesus to them. And how do we do that? We don't have to belt people around the head with Scripture. We don't have to do that. You know what you need to do? You need to find someone that you can give hope to. How do you do that? You stand in the gap for them. Got someone who's going through a situation like I described to you? All of us probably have. What do you do? What do you do? Doing nothing is not an option. If you believe Jesus died on the cross, came to forgive your sin, it was for them also. What do you do? We have to do something. You want to have an impact? You want to make disciples? We have to get off our comfortable Christian backsides and do something. And you know what? It's not that hard. It's genuinely not that hard. Hey, Josephine. I'm hoping no one in here is called Josephine. Hey, Josephine. I know you're going through a tough situation. I have no understanding what it's like, but I want you to know that I'm thinking of you. Can I pray for you? Do you know what? When someone's going through some tough stuff, and even when they're a non-Christian, and you say, can I pray for you? You know what they say? Yes, please. There's your opportunity. What do you do? When you're going through a difficult situation, what's the one thing you want? I choose hope. You want that hope to be validated by someone else. You need someone who's going to call you and say, Hey, Wendy. I'll choose her because I'm married to her and she's here. Hey, Wendy. I know you're married to that loser. Sorry, 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 wrong conversation. (laughs) Wendy, I know you're journeying something tough. I have no understanding what it is, what you're going through. But I want you to know you're not doing it alone and I stand with you. Can I pray for you? It's folks, we all get scared about this go and make disciples business, right? Leading people to Jesus. It's not that hard. Think about the way you were led to Christ. For most of you, it will be because someone else showed love, someone else showed grace, someone else showed care. So the tools that you need to show Jesus are right there. Amen? It's that simple. It genuinely is that simple. And when you show the love and grace of Jesus, you can shift thinking, feelings, and behavior. If you can shift thinking, feelings, and behavior, then God will come through and shift something in the supernatural. Amen? Three of you. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Wow. 
Let's read that again. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Isaiah 43, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Do not be afraid. For I, not Jared, Jesus, God, am with you. I just want to focus in the closing minutes on what Wayne said. Thoughts, feelings, behavior. Joyce Meyer wrote a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. If you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. When the enemy comes, where do you think he starts to wreak havoc? He can't start with your heart. He starts up here. He starts up here. Through that situation I described in our lives, where do you think the rot started or had the potential to set in? Up here. And when you think from a psychological perspective, there's things that you control, there's things that you influence, and there's things that you can't control. You can only focus on the things that you can control, and you can control your mind. And you know how you do it? Even when it feels like you can't, you say, in the name of Arrest this thinking in the name of Jesus. Satan, get out of my head. You have no place here. The blood of Jesus has reigned supreme in this situation. Declare it and speak it out. And I'm not talking about, oh, Lord, Father, please come. You fall on your knees. If it's that die, you fall on your knees. And you declare in the mighty name of Jesus, the same power that forgave sin for generations is in you. Sometimes we need to speak it out and walk it, but we get covered by the weight of the world and all of the stuff that goes on, particularly in the past years, right? And we need to declare in the name of Jesus and we need to say, amen. I'm gonna close with two verses because I know I'm a little bit over time. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. I love this. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Who wants to soar on wings like eagles? In Philippians 4 verse 13, one of my favorite verses, and I often say it, and I've even said it to Wendy, I sometimes drive her mad with this. It says, what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're feeling weary this morning? Put Jesus in it. Seems simple, right? Who is this guy standing up there with that crazy looking shirt which is driving the camera people crazy? This is my granddad's shirt. This is me desperately trying to hold on to my youth. <laughs> I went shopping with Joey the other day and I said something. He said, You sound like a grumpy old man. So the next shop we went into, I said exactly the same thing. He had a plastic baby bath that we'd brought from Kmart. He literally put it over his head in the pharmacy. It was the funniest thing. Sorry, I digress. Folks, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Who hopes in the Lord this morning? They will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, not some things. All things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because the mighty work of Jesus has been done. 
The mighty work of Jesus has been done. Yet in our human thinking, when we're going through difficult times, why do we lose sight of that? We may understand it, but our thinking takes over and we're paralyzed by other stuff. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not here to challenge. I'm not, I don't want you walking, oh, I've done that the wrong way. You've done it absolutely the right way. My heart's desire is that you get a revelation this morning that we need to put Jesus at the center of what we're doing. Got issues in your family? We all have. Put Jesus in the center. Got issues in your finances? Put Jesus in the center. Got issues in your workplace? Put Jesus in the center. Still there, find another job. Joking. I'm making light. But folks, if you're sitting here today and you're struggling, we'll open up the front. Be some people here that can pray for you. Just with every eye closed and every head bowed. If you're sitting here today and you're in one of those valley moments at the moment and you've heard me talk about all this stuff and all my goofy stories and you really need to get a revelation this morning of who Jesus is in your life or you need to experience the power of Jesus where we can take the whole life of Jesus and overlay it in your situation, then when we play the next song, I want you to come to the front and it would be our pleasure to, to pray with you. If you've sat here this morning and you've heard me talk about this Jesus and God and all this stuff and you either think that I'm bringing some good news or I'm completely bonkers, both are probably true. But if you don't know Jesus, there's an opportunity for you to come this morning. And particularly, I want to talk to the people in our congregation that are sitting here this morning and they are bound by behaviors, thinkings, feelings of the past where they go, you know what? I've heard them talk about this, Jesus, and I've done some pretty crazy stuff. I've done some things that I'm not proud of. You know what? You are exactly the people that Jesus died on the cross for. So if that's you, you don't know Jesus and you're really stuck in your thinking. There's a stirring that's happening in your spirit now. Something is, you know, maybe some butterflies or whatever. Then I also want you to come to the front and it would be our honor to pray for you and introduce you to this Jesus that we talk about. Does Jesus promise us a hassle-free life? Absolutely not. This is no magical band-aid and all the problems will go away. But what he does promise us is that you will soar on wings like eagles, you will run and not go weary, you will walk and not be faint, and you can do all things through Christ who will strengthen you. So there's two groups of people there, people who just want prayer, they don't feel the mighty work of Jesus in their life, or those people that don't know Jesus, and you want to know Jesus, then I want you to come to the front. If everyone can stand, we're going to sing a little song here. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.